Are you ready? Welcome to another edition of the Ultimate Fight Show. I'm your host, LC, and with me from the road today is the brag man, Chris Bragg. How you doing out there? Oh, I'm doing well, man. Just as well as the traffic's going to let me go. Traveling down the mighty 95 in South Carolina, headed home for the weekend. I know that road very well. Used to live in Charleston myself. Um, enjoy, uh, have, a, have a safe ride that safe trip, but uh, nonetheless, the show's got to go on, and we're here bringing it to you. We didn't know if it was going to happen, but we're going to get you in for the Super Bowl edition. If you want to call in, it's one six five seven three eight three one four one two. You can find us on blogtalkradio.com, and you can find us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, brag, hit them with it. Of course, it's easy to find us on all the social media outlets. Just search for The Ultimate Fight Show. On Twitter, you can find us at the Alt Fight Show. Absolutely. All right. Since the last time we were here, we've had a few things happen. Let's start. Let's just jump right into it with uh, Shevchenko versus Pena, the UFC fight night from Denver Pepsi Center last weekend. Bragg, it lived up to the hype. Um, the card was actually pretty good, I thought, top to bottom. Let's start with the fights that we called. Um Alex Carassus, Bruce Leroy against Jason Knight. That was a fight that ended with the submission rear naked choke. I thought Bruce Leroy was going to win this one. Um, I was wrong. Brag, what did you think about Jason Knight's performance? Four submission attempts, 46 strikes to 27. Really neutralized what uh, Bruce Leroy's known for. Yeah, he absolutely did. It's uh it was a very good performance, and it's one of those performances that, you know, on the main stage like that, on a Fox, uh, pressure was on those guys to start the show off right, and uh, they came through. Congratulations. Absolutely. Moving on, Andre Olowski against Francis Naganu. Now, this was actually a misprint. For weeks up on ESPN, they had this fight listed as a middleweight fight. And I was like, wow, was Arlowski really going to drop down two weight classes <laughs> to fight at middleweight when he's like 40? No, it was a, it was a typo on their part. Um, in, in fact, he faced a very dangerous Francis Naganu. Now, this is a guy who's kind of flown under the radar as far as, you know, with my uh, MMA acumen here. I, I didn't really know who this guy was. I saw him fight one time before on an undercard, totally forgot about him, but... Uh, I have a feeling that everyone's going to remember him now as he's able to get rid of Arlowski within a minute, landing eight strikes, getting the knockdown, just really eye-opening. Bragg, how impressive were you with Francis, and what happens now for both of these fighters? Yeah, I think I think Francis, uh, it was a very impressive win for him again. You know, on the big show, on Fox, he comes out and makes a statement uh, – basically that he's ready to go, a guy with heavy hands, a guy who really has power to match anybody in the heavyweight division. Of course, Andre Olofsky, uh one of my favorite fighters of all time to watch, but we've talked about it before. When that jaw goes, um, he has not been the same since Fedor knocked him out many years ago. It's probably been, what, seven or eight, or probably longer than that, probably nine or ten years ago now. Uh, he just hasn't been the same uh, I have a feeling that if we see Arlovsky again, it's not going to be much different. I think it's time for him to hang it up right off into the sunset. Uh, has had a Hall of Fame career, but his chin's just not there any longer. No, he, he's definitely uh, – I, I don't want to see him in the octagon again. 
maybe maybe if he's coaching or teaching, but yeah, he's done as far as competitive fights. Uh, Francis Naganu, on the other hand, I have a suspicion next week when we have our regular show at our regular Wednesday seven o'clock time that uh, in the new rankings he's going to be making a splash in the top ten for the Ultimate Fight Show. Bragg, what do you think? Uh, no, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. And you know, of course, we'll talk about that first of the week as we prepare for next week's show. But yeah, I've, I've got him uh, making it into the top ten, and uh, I think he's going to be there a while. Yeah, he, he he looks pretty serious. All right, moving on, co-main event, our, one of our favorites, Cowboy Donald Cerrone against Jorge Masvidal, a true welterweight, full-fledged welterweight. And uh, this was really, we thought it was going to be a litmus test. Cerrone's been so hot, so willing to fight on short notice that uh, uh, we were wondering when it was going to catch up to him, and it seemed to have finally happened last Saturday in Denver. I don't know if it was the altitude. I'm thinking that that's probably what it was. But uh, he seemed to start off pretty good and then kind of gap halfway through the first round. And then it didn't get any better from there. As Jorge Masvidal was able to land 58 strikes to Cerrone's 30, got two knockdowns, and was able to get him out of there in the second round. Uh, solid win for Masvidal. And maybe, again, a, a little bit of another – awakening moment for Cerrone that, hey, I got to train a little harder uh, against the top-tier people because, you know, I'm not really a welterweight. Bragg, what do you think? What did you see? Well, I think one of the most impressive things about that fight was uh, that's all I actually called him out in early December before Cerrone uh, uh, won his fight in December. He wanted this fight. He, he called out Cerrone. He asked for it in Denver. Of course, a week later, Cowboy won his fight. I think it was that was against Matt Brown, and said he wanted to fight in Denver. Uh, match made in heaven. Unfortunately for Cowboy, uh, <laughs> he like you said, it looked like he gasped or you know just lost it halfway through the first round. Not sure what was going on. Maybe there was a lingering injury. You know, you're never going to hear Cowboy uh, complain about something like that, but. He was, let it be known, yes, this fight finished, ended in the second round officially, but this fight was over at the end of the first. He was knocked out cold. He was saved by the bell. I'm honestly surprised that that fight wasn't waved off after the end of the first round because when he stood, it, when he stood up to go to his corner, uh, he was clearly not there. And he's fortunate that he was in his corner already because he, I don't think he could have made the walk across the octagon uh, to get to his corner. The uh, second round, he still wasn't quite recovered. Uh, slower than the game, Masvidal, just and a man on the mission, finished the fight. Very impressive. And I, I think this may be a wake-up call to Cerrone. I think it might be time. He loves to fight. He's got his, He would fight on two hours' notice if given the opportunity. Uh, he just He's a guy that may just need to slow down some instead of taking a fight every other week. Uh, just, you know, stick with a normal schedule and, um, you know, enjoy the enjoy the profession that he's in. But, uh, uh, again, I think we've got another contender here with Jorge Masvidal. Yeah, I want to touch on something that you said um, about the <clears throat> end of the first round. I forgot about that. And I remember now as you were saying that to our listeners that, you know, you you reminded me, and I you took me back, kind of, and I'm with you. I was thinking in that moment when it was happening, I was like, I wonder what Bragg would think now. Now that you have, you know, your referee's license and you've you've been in the cage and called some fights, I was interested because I remember seeing the end of the round and saying to myself, this fight should be stopped. He's out on his feet, and just everything you brought up there about him walking to his corner, being lucky all that really good insight. Uh, and I thought that, uh, you know, you answered that very well, but again, would you have stopped the fight if you had been in the ring that night? I, I, let me preface this by saying this, it, there's, there's no better, uh, perception than being there in the cage or in the ring and looking a fighter in the eye. Now I believe it was Herb Dean who was referee for that fight. Uh, you know, top professional, top professional referee in the world. 
I'm not going to argue with many of his calls. Uh, he he was there. He looked uh, Cowboy in the eye. They even brought the doctor in in between rounds, and Cowboy was aware enough to you know pass whatever test they gave him. But yeah, I, I'd have been hard pressed to let him continue in that fight again. I say that, and this is Cowboy Cerrone, one of the toughest sons of bitches ever to step into the octagon. Uh, this is a guy who doesn't quit. And we always talk about, you know, some of these older fighters, these veteran fighters, giving them the benefit of the doubt, giving them an opportunity to fight through adversity, uh, to recover. You know, you may, you know, we talk about it a lot with Dan Henderson, who's a prime example, who's a guy who's, uh, who's taken a lot of punishment, but has been able to come back and, of course, land that uh, H-bomb to win fight. Uh, in the moment... I would have thought that uh, Cowboy Cerrone should have been stopped and the fight should have been over at that point. But, you know, look, looking through, at it through a fighter's eyes, I could definitely understand. And Herb Dean is a former fighter. Let's not forget that. Um, I think that's why he's one of the best. That's what makes him one of the best. Um, I think I can understand why they gave him the opportunity. All right. Moving on to the main event, this was a fight that we were really intrigued by, and it was uh, Valentina Shevchenko against Juliana Pena, winner getting a title shot at Amanda Nunes next. Both fighters hot, both fighters ranked one and two by the Ultimate Fight Show. I like Pena in this fight. I believe you like Shevchenko, and uh, it was just one of those fights that went back and forth. Pena started off smothering, pushed her up into the cage, I liked how Shevchenko gave that little uh, timed up her push to trip her off her feet. She just seemed to be one step ahead thinking, whereas Pena was like, I need to not strike, get this to the ground. Pena ends up landing 78 strikes to 46, but that one submission attempt at the one time in the fight where Shevchenko, I thought Bragg looked vulnerable, was able to make a miraculous armbar out of it and submit Pena in the second round towards the end of the round. It was, just, it was a really good fight. I was very impressed by these two women and uh, just a hell of a fight. And then immediately Shevchenko and Nunes get in the ring with each other. And Amanda Nunes has already beat Shevchenko, gave her her loss. She's looking for revenge. This is going to be, I mean, I'm interested. It got me interested. But first comment on the fight and, you know, then what's happening moving forward. Yeah, I was very impressed with uh, Shevchenko in this fight. I did pick her to win. Uh, I thought she would uh, actually get a late stoppage in the fourth round. But Shevchenko is a is a kickboxer. She's a wo- woman that's known for her kickboxing, her Muay Thai, and her striking. And she showed a little bit of jujitsu there. I mean, she showed like she looked comfortable on the ground. She never looked like she was in any trouble against a uh, Juliana Pena, who is a a Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner. Uh, I'm not sure she's a black belt or not, but I know she is pretty high-ranking. Um, regardless, th- that's not where I thought Shevchenko would have any type of advantage whatsoever. That's that's about the last place I thought Shevchenko would win the fight. And she did it, and she really impressed me. I think she – I think uh, Brian Stan, when, before he came into the octagon to conduct the interview – said it himself, uh, you know, he he was very impressed, and I think he re- really reiterated what I said, was that that was the last place he thought that fight would go. Um, as far as the fight with Amanda Nunez goes, uh, very, very compelling matchup. Both of these girls have heavy hands. Both of these girls can like to throw them, and if Shashenko continues to work on her ground game and become that – a well-rounded fighter that she looks like she is becoming, uh, we can have a nice little rivalry on our hands here that uh, may span a couple of fights, uh, depending on how it goes. Uh, very interested in the fight. Looking forward to it. Probably take place in the late spring, early summer. And um, I I wouldn't be opposed to giving Shevchenko a shot there. Uh, Bandon Nunez is going to be the favorite going in, obviously, but... Uh, 
this is a fight that I think Shevchenko could win. Yeah, it's. It, <clears throat> I mean, the one thing that jumped out to me immediately was Amanda Nunes is way bigger than her. When they got in the ring together, Nunes looked like she was in another weight class. And I, I think that, I don't know, I, I don't want to make my prediction, but I, I don't think Amanda Nunes is, is worried about her. I think she's got bigger fish on the horizon north at 145. But we'll see what happens. Again, overall, pretty good card. But, um, yeah, I went 0-4. Not a real good. This is what shows tells you when you make picks, when you don't have a show, that's what happens. I went 0-4. <laughs> so, not a good start. All right, let's talk a little sweet science here on this Super Bowl edition of the Ultimate Fight Show. Talking sweet science here, ultimate fight show, road show, Super Bowl show, brag, a lot of things percolating, so to speak, as we get into the 2017 campaign for boxing. We got uh, some talks about Floyd possibly fighting Conor McGregor. We've talked about this before. Now things seem to be picking up a little bit more. Dana White comes back with his offer, $25 million apiece and a percentage of the pay-per-view to be negotiated. Floyd laughed, said, I make $100 million, et cetera, et cetera. Greg, is this something that both fighters are using just to keep their name in the public, or is there a real possibility because of McGregor's stubbornness and him feeling that he should have a piece of the UFC pie? Is he crazy enough to, to, to step into the squared circle with arguably – one of the top five fighters of all time. You know, I hope I hope this is a serious discussion here between these guys. Uh, of course, it's a super, super, super fight. Um, everybody would want to see it. I don't think McGregor's crazy. I wouldn't call him crazy enough to do it, but, I mean, it's definitely a calculated risk for him to step into the ring with Floyd Mayweather, but, you know, it's a fight that, well, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me rephrase it. Let me rephrase it. Is, is, it, is he not crazy? Are, are the fans crazy if they think that this would be nothing more than these two guys getting in the ring for a glorified – is there any real threat here? I mean, do, does Conor McGregor legitimately have even a puncher's chance against Floyd Mayweather? Because I personally don't think he has a chance in – the boxing ring at all. Yeah, I I would be hesitant to disagree with you there. I mean, it's we're talking about Floyd Mayweather. I mean, we're talking about you know forty nine and zero. We're talking about you know the greatest fighter of this generation. I Conor McGregor is one of those guys. I mean, you said it earlier too. He is stubborn. Uh, Floyd Mayweather isn't an arcade artist. He's not a guy that's going to go in there and put you to sleep, uh, especially with, you know, the heavier gloves. Uh, Mayweather, I'm sorry, uh, McGregor is a guy who could put you to sleep. Now, with boxing gloves, I'm not sure if that would happen or not, but it's it's something you got to think about. Here's the way I think, here's the only way I think it could go in McGregor's favor. Mayweather does not want to go 12 rounds with a person who's not a boxer. He doesn't want to just win by decision. He wants to go in there and make a statement. He's going to want him to go in there and try to put McGregor to sleep and knock him out. Uh, if he's not careful with that, McGregor does have a puncher's chance. Everybody does. But McGregor, with a little bit of skill and as good of a counterpuncher as he is, you know, if he lands a shot, anything can happen. Uh, is that going to happen? I doubt it. I wouldn't put any money down on con- – well, all right, I'm not even going to make that statement right now. But it's 
It's one of those fights that if it does happen, it's going to be dissected six ways to Sunday, as my dad liked to talk, say. And the result is probably going to be pretty clear no matter how you slice it. It's, Mayweather will be the mm-hmm. heavy favorite going in, as well he should be. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know at this point. Could it happen? Let me pose another. Let me pose another question to you. Um, okay. Man, Manny Pacquiao has now said, and Bob Arum, that they would be interested in fighting Conor McGregor as well. Is it more likely? Would it make it a bigger sell if McGregor were to get into the ring with Pacquiao? and either beat Pacquiao or make a good showing of himself. I would think that he would have to win against Pacquiao because Mayweather's not going to fight McGregor if Pacquiao beats him. No, I agree with that. I agree with that 100%. Uh, I think McGregor, if he goes in and beats Manny Pacquiao, which, again, Pacquiao, one of the top fighters of this generation, uh, who has a little more knockout power, I think, than Floyd Mayweather. Um, McGregor would have to go in and beat Manny Pacquiao, and then Mayweather would jump all over that fight. Is mm-hmm. it a coincidence, though, that Mayweather, the interest on Mayweather's side has peaked a little more since Aram and Pacquiao came out and made that statement? Do you, I don't think it's a coincidence whatsoever. Well, I mean, I think it's interesting. You know, Floyd Mayweather was on Max Kellerman's uh, and Stephen A. Smith's show, and he, he straight up offered Conor McGregor $25 million and said, you know, no, let, let, let's do it. That's double what you've made. He looked it up, blah, 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 blah. And, I mean, Floyd said, said it, reiterated it several times. I'm a businessman, and the McGregor fight makes sense out of all the other fights. And of course it makes sense because it's the le- it's the most amount of money for the least amount of work. Um, I guess another question is, you know, are they crazy to not make this fight because of the amount of money? I understand why Dana White is hesitant because he knows that if Floyd gets in there and embarrasses the shit out of him, that it makes him in his mind, I guess, less marketable. But I don't think that that's true because you're, you're talking about two different sports. So, Bragg, what do you think about, about that? Well, it's, it's ultimately going to come down to money, of course. Um, yeah, that, I believe that's why the UFC side is hesitant because uh, McGregor is our golden egg right now. And if he gets cracked, if there's any type of damage whatsoever to him, they, you know, they feel like they're the the long uh, the long range or the uh, future uh, money could be lost there. Uh, mm-hmm. But I agree that if uh, I, I, it is a fight, it's the biggest fight that could be made, um, whether it be UFC, boxing. I mean, it is the biggest fight that can be made right now. And you know, you asked me. I think we talked about this a couple months ago. Neither of us thought it would happen. Uh, The more and more this uh, plays out, I I mean, I'm really thinking it could happen. I think it's more likely that it could happen. I think right now we're probably at maybe a 60-40 chance of this thing actually happening, Uh, whereas before I would have said about 25-75. There's just too much money not to be made. And, again, it's one of those fights that – you know, of course, Mayweather will go to 50-0, and 0, and that'll be it. He'll walk away, nice round, even number. Um, if he loses, what does that do to Mayweather's legacy? Tarnishes it completely. I, I, absolutely. And it, it's a calculated risk on, really on both sides. Uh, you you got to look at it, too. Um, McGregor, of course, has more to gain from this fight and less to lose. Uh, Mayweather has... Mm-hmm. Nothing to gain, everything to lose. It's going well, to take. Money. 
Oh, well, regardless of money, I was, that I was going to say, it's going to take. I mean, Mayweather is holding Pat. He has not blinked at all as far as that dollar figure goes. If he, if you want this fight, you're paying him $100 million up front. Um, that's what it's going to take. And, you know, strange things have happened in this crazy world we live in. I, and I, like I said, I'm yeah. right now about sixty forty that it's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, again, it, it, we spent a lot of time on this, so I'm, I'm just going to wrap it up real quick. I'm with you on the sixty forty that it could happen. Um, again, I, I don't. I think that if Mayweather takes it, he's failing to consider the fact that boxing historians, critics, pundits will brutalize him for that being his 50th fight. He will not be considered the same as Rocky Marciano, who fought 50 professional boxers, regardless of where McGregor's championship status lies. Here's the other problem, too, is the longer the fight goes, it hurts Mayweather. If, and, and, and by that same equation, here's the problem with McGregor. McGregor's used to using four-ounce gloves to knock people out. You get in the boxing ring, you're going to be wearing eight-ounce gloves. Double that. Does McGregor have the same power in a boxing ring with not being able to use elbows, knees, or kicks to generate his power, and it's just straight boxing, and you got now you got double the padding? He's already run. It's just a fight that I, the money is so good, but I just don't think that it could happen. I think this is a fight that both of these dudes could could do in 10 years when their fighting careers are over and they could still make 50 million then because as like a gimmick, like a WWE WrestleMania Mayweather against McGregor or something thing. But as far as them fighting, Dana White's never going to let them pay Mayweather a hundred million plus a percentage of the pay-per-view. It's just too much money. They, they don't have the, they, it's just not going to happen. I'm actually sixty forty the other way that it's not going to happen. That's that's what I meant to say. Um, all right, let's move on. Uh, meanwhile, two guys did fight. Uh, Carl Frampton, Leo Santa Cruz rematch of their runner-up fight of the year. Carl Frampton was also, you know, some organizations had him as fighter of the year. We honored Andre Ward as fighter of the year, but again, it was a fight that. Oh, a lot of people thought was going to be close. Frampton was a three-to-three favorite. I like Leo Santa Cruz in this fight, and uh, in the end, he he adjusted the game plan. Brad, he made the adjustments that he did in the first that he didn't in the first fight, which was Carl Frampton drawing him into a firefight. And this time, Leo Santa Cruz boxed tall, used his educated jab to get around Frampton, keep him on the outside and was able to win a close unanimous decision that Frampton didn't argue. It was 115-113 on all the cards. He didn't argue. He thought that Leo won, and they both said that they want to do it again, and that's going to be must-watch must TV. And I wouldn't be surprised if that moves to a pay-per-view fight because of the quality of the first two installments. Bragg, if you saw the fight, what did you think of it? Did they get it right? And what do you think about moving forward with these two? Great pugilists. Yeah, absolutely. I thought they did get it right. I agree with you. I thought Santa Cruz would win this fight by UD. Uh, I believe the biggest uh, thing that put had Frampton in front on the odds was the fact that he won the first fight. So uh, Santa Cruz came in with a perfect game plan. He executed it uh, about as well as you could. Uh, Just a brilliant performance. Uh, Got the edge. In that fight, I agree with the judges' the scorecards. Um, and, yeah, absolutely. I think a third fight itself, itself I think it does. Uh, the hype's going to be, be there. I think you are looking at pay-per-view numbers there. So it's, it's a fight I'm looking forward to seeing the third fight. Now, it's going to be interesting because, like you said, uh, Santa Cruz made the adjustment this time. What adjustments now does Frampton make and the Santa Cruz – try to instill that same game plan. You know, the chess match to a boxing match, especially uh, to two guys who are so good and who are now very familiar with each other, 
to me, that's just as important and just as interesting as the what happens between the ropes. Just a, a fantastic fight, and I'm looking forward to a number three. Absolutely. All right, and that's really that's really it with boxing. There's nothing. Um, there's nothing this weekend going on as far as big fights. I'm gonna look on the calendar and see if we can jump ahead to the next meaningful championship fight. And that's going to be Joshua and Klitschko, I think, um, sometime in March. But let's just – I'm just going to check the uh, the February slate real quick to make sure that we're not overlooking anything. But, Bragg, again, when do you – that third fight, do you think it will happen? Uh, Carl Frampton said that he, he would love it if that fight took place in uh, – his home in, in in England in a stadium. What what do you think the odds are on that? Well, if it does get the pay per view treatment, uh, chances are it's going to happen stateside. Um, you know, probably in Las Vegas, probably maybe in California. Um, I think less likely in New York, but I think it it's going to happen. It'll probably be late summer. It might be the summer showcase fight that you see. Cause I don't think these two guys are, they may not want to take a chance of uh, taking another fight in between because anything could happen. But um, I don't see it happening in New England, in, in England rather. I think it, uh, I think it takes place stateside and I think in late <laughs> summer, maybe early fall. Yeah, we got, um, we got Adrian Broner fighting in Cincinnati about three hours away from me, and that's going to be on Showtime February 18th against Adrian Grandios. Uh, Lamont Peterson will also be fighting on that card. Roy Jones Jr. will be fighting Bobby Gunn on February 17th, Bragg. Cruiserweight pay-per-view in, Del- in Delaware. I mean, Bobby Gunn, if you remember, he was a uh, bare-knuckle champion and a former contender at light heavyweight, I believe or cruiserweight, and now they're going to fight. I don't even know. I think Jones is going to get knocked out, though. But um, I just think is that... Is Bellator uh, promoting this fight? I do not. It does not say. But either way, I hope this is the last time we see Roy in in the circle. Um, let's move on now to MMA. Let's talk about the UFC fight night, the Korean Zombie and Bermudez. This is in Houston. This is super, it's Super Bowl weekend in Houston, and they got a UFC the night before to get the festivities started. Bragg, we're going to call six fights on this card. Let's break it down and do it right here. Uh, our first fight of the night is the women's strawweight. We got uh, Jessica Andrade, ranked by the Ultimate Fight Show at number six against Angelo, Angela Hill. These two fighters bring a, a variety of weapons here. I just think... Andrade's got the better pedigree, the better resume. I'm going to go with her to win this fight by UD. Bragg, who do you got in this one? Yeah, this is a fight I'm really looking forward to. These two girls are going to uh, are just brawlers. They're going to leave it, leave it all in the octagon. I agree with you, though. I think Andrade wins this fight. I got a, my TKO in the second round. All right. <clears throat> Anthony Hamilton against Marcel Fortuna. Heavyweights, Hamilton, a big boy, 6'5", 260, with a 15-6 and six record. Fortuna, 6'1", same weight, 260, 8-1, real heavy-handed. Craig, who do you like in this one? You know, you talk about the heavy hands, but uh, Marcel Fortuna, he has six of his ten wins have come by submission. This guy is a very good Brazilian, Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner. And I think that's where the difference happens. I think he gets to the ground in the second round, and I think he submits Hamilton. Yeah, I like I like Fortuna in the first round by submission. I think it's set up by that big right hand that gets him to the ground to set up the sub. All right, we got light heavyweights Oven St. Prue, OSP against Volkan Odomir. Uh, Odomir 12-1. and one. St. Crew, we know what he's got at 19 and 9, was just in there with uh, John Jones with Bones. Took him, uh, took him all, all five. I mean, uh, took him all three. But had it gone five, could have been a different fight. Champ looked like he was fake. Bragg, who you got in this one? Yeah, this is a big fight for OSP. This is a 
big uh, comeback fight that's really going to make a break. If he stumbles here, uh, he could be in trouble in that light heavyweight division, but uh, I don't think he does. I, th- I think he comes out. I think he's impressive. He's got a point to prove, and I think he gets a late stoppage in the first round. Yeah, I also agree with the late stoppage in the first round. All right. Abel Trulio, 15-6 and six against James Vick. Nine and one. This is an interesting fight. I'm going to go with Abel. I think he, Abel Trulio, is able to get the W, and I'll say that he'll win by unanimous decision. Brad, who you got? Yeah, I'm actually going the other way here. Uh, James Vick. Shocker. He's a tall fighter. He's a kid from Atlanta's picking a guy named Vick. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me started on Vick. Uh, bad memories there. And if I if I'd have thought about that beforehand, maybe I wouldn't, but. Uh, James Vick's going to come in with a six-inch reach advantage. He's a very long fighter, and he gets, a lot of times he will use that to his advantage. Um, I think he beats up Abel Trillo here, and I think he gets the stoppage in the second round. All right. And we got Felice Herring against Alexa Grazo. Grazo ranked by the Ultimate Fight Show. She's 9-0. and Felice Herring also ranked, at, and she's 11-6. and it's a matchup that could, again, hit the winner of this fight with maybe the winner of Andrade and Hill earlier in the night. Greg, I like Grasso. I'm going with the Atelier, with, with, with the Paisan here. And uh, I think she wins this fight by knockout in the uh, second round. Greg? Yeah, I've got Grasso, too, but I, I think this is going to be a little bit closer. This is going to be a slugfest. These two girls are going to go in, give it everything they got. Uh, I like Grosso to win this fight also by decision, but and very possibly split. I think this can be a very, very close fight. Fight of the night. All right. Wow. Fight of the night. All right. Let's see what Buffer has to say about the main event. This is the moment UFC fans around the world have been waiting for. It is time. The Korean Zombie, Chan Jung Hung, five and se- five foot seven, thirteen and four against Dennis Bermudez, five foot six, sixteen and five. A main event type fight for everybody. This is this fight's gonna have everything. It's gonna have submission attempts. It's gonna have takedowns, stand up. I think this fight's gonna go everywhere, Bragg. In the end, because again, these guys are really evenly matched. Who do you see getting the nod? Because I think that this fight is probably going to be the fight of the night, in my opinion. Who do you got? I think it's going to be a very good fight. Uh, keep in mind, though, Chan Sung Jung is coming off a two-year layoff. He had to go serve in the uh, Korean military, uh, do his duty there. Um, I think this comes down to possible conditioning. Um, not that Sung Jung is not going to have good conditioning, but this Mudez has been active. And there's no substitute for uh, competing in the octagon when it comes to fighting. I think he uses his wrestling to outwork Chan Sung Jung and get the unanimous decision victory. I'm going to go with uh, the Korean zombie. I think if you're in the, the military in Korea, you're probably doing a lot of stuff, staying in shape. And this guy was a pretty dangerous fighter to begin with, top 10 contender, actually probably top five at one point. Um, I think he'll. I think it's going to be rough early on. I agree, uh, but I think he's going to figure it out, and I think he's going to get the close split decision victory over Bermudez in a fight that raises both fighters' stock. So, um, yeah, Bragg, that's uh, that's pretty much it. I'm looking ahead on the schedule next week. We have a UFC 208. Let's preview that. That's Holly Holm against the ever dangerous. Thai striker in Jermaine D. Ramadi. This is going to be a serious fight, the inaugural 145-pound championship. It's surprising that it doesn't have someone named Chris Cyborg in it. We're going to talk about that next week in more detail. But, Bragg, this card's stacked now. you got Anderson Silva against Derek Brunson, Tim Bosch against Jacare Sosa, Glover Texara against Jared Kanner. Let's see who else is on this card. Jim Miller and Dustin Poirier. So they uh, and Uncle Creepy's back against Jared Brooks. He was uh, 
Remember that fight was canceled from the last card. Brad, any thoughts on that before we get out of here next week? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this show. I'm surprised this wasn't the show they uh, promoted as the uh, Super Bowl Sunday, Super Bowl weekend show. Normally they have a pretty big card, but I think Fox uh, made the uh, decision for the UFC there and wanted that card on wanted a card on Fox, but in Houston. Uh, really good show, and yeah, that uh, featherweight title fight for the ladies is is going to be a showdown. A lot of people, of course, you know, think Holly Holm is the favorite. She probably rightfully should be. Uh, we're going to have a lot to discuss about this this card and that fight in particular. I think you got a lot of factors to look at, uh, but I'm looking forward to it. It should be a really, really good show. Uh, and you know, beyond that, uh, the rest, you know, of course, Anderson Silva. Uh, returning to the Octagon, that's always going to make news. It's going to be a big deal uh, when you see the GOAT in action. So uh, just a really fun show coming up. Looking forward to it. Can't wait to talk about it. Absolutely. And, again, next next week we'll be back at our regular time, 7 o'clock, Wednesdays, 7 to 9. We'll have two hours. We'll have the new rankings and uh, recap from our predictions for the fight night, and we are, before we get out of here, we said it was a Super Bowl edition. <laughs> Frag from Atlanta, I'm from Cleveland. You, if you follow the show, you know how serious we are about our football and our gambling. Um, Frag, I'll let you go first since since you actually got your favorite team in the show. What do you got for me? I, I, how do you see it going <laughs> down you what. Sunday? This has been a long time coming, of course. The Atlanta Falcons made one appearance in the Super Bowl 17 years ago, I believe, 18 years ago. It's been way too long against the Denver Broncos. It was John Elway's last game. Just a phenomenal run that was. But this year it's different. This year the Falcons have been rising up all year. The best offense in the league, one of the historically best offenses, in the history of the NFL, you got the Falcons have so many weapons, and I know New England has the pedigree. You've got Tom Brady, you got Bill Belichick. Those two guys, they don't lose. You know they've they've shown up to these uh, big games, and they've always been impressive. Even the two Super Bowls they've lost against the Giants were, you know, very close games. Uh, it's, I, I'm so excited for this. I, I really am. And my only regret about this is I wish my dad would be here to see it. I know he's looking down from above and he's excited and he's ready for the Super Bowl himself. Uh, damn, the, damn the prognosticators. I'll be damned with the odds. I'm going all in on the Atlanta Falcons in this game. The Falcons will win this game. They will win Super Bowl 51. The final score is going to be 37-24 Atlanta Falcons. They're going to get up early. They're going to get ahead, and they're not going to let up. It's going to be a wonderful day for the Atlanta Falcons and the Atlanta Falcons fans. Hot Atlanta is going to be rocking Sunday night. (laughs) Wow. I, I mean, I got excited. I got excited when you were when you were getting excited, but uh, now now it's reality again. And uh, listen, it's 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 been a good it's it's been a great run. I I will admit this. Matty Ice played fantastic all year. In my opinion, he's the MVP. Um, their offense was the best in football this year, but defense wins championships. The number one offense against the number one defense matchup is five and one in favor of the defense in Super Bowl history. Um, I'll throw some other stats at you. Tom Brady is four and zero against the Atlanta Falcons, including two and zero against Matty Ice. And here's the one that's really that's really going to jump out at you: Bill Belichick and Tom Brady are twelve and zero when facing an opponent in the playoff that they didn't play during the regular season. And last time I checked, they didn't play Atlanta in the regular season. And then you throw on Tom Brady's mom having cancer, his whole family and hot wife come into the game, and the fact that he's chasing history 
to become the greatest quarterback of all time. And if that all wasn't enough, Bragg, you have the caveat of the commissioner of football who suspended you for four games for cheating that you arguably didn't do, going to have to hand you the Super Bowl trophy on national television. I think that that's been what he's wanted the whole year. I think they're all playing on a special level, and you're giving Bill Belichick two weeks to game plan. I do agree with one stat that you said, and that is that in the six Super Bowl appearances that New England has, has made under Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, all six games have been decided by four points or less, including their losses and wins. So I do think it is going to be a close game. I don't think it's going to be as high scoring as others. Uh, Vegas right now has the Patriots favored by three with an over-under at 58-and-a-half. I think that's a little high. I'm not saying it can't happen, but I'm going to go with one of two scores. I, 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 see, the, I see New England winning in both of them, but I'm gonna, if I had to pick one gun to my head, I'm going to say New England 31, Atlanta 24 in a great Super Bowl where the game is tied 24-24 and Tom Brady in the last six minutes goes down the field to uh, secure his legacy on Mount Rushmore as the greatest quarterback of all time. So that's, uh, that's how I see it, Bragg. Anything, I'll give you a rebuttal since you went first. Well, it's, if I, I'm not a new England Patriots fan. I, I really am not. I'm not but either. I will say this. I'm not either. And I, I, but I will say this. If there were anybody other than the Falcons that new England was playing, I would be rooting for New England because I agree. I think Tom Brady really got the shaft in this whole deflate gate deal. Uh, whether whether he had willing knowledge or not, or whether he asked for the balls to be deflated, I believe it's one of those unwritten things that a lot of quarterbacks that are on the league do. Uh, ben Roethlisberger, for one, has said that he likes the ball a little overinflated. Aaron Rodgers said the same thing. A lot of quarterbacks have their little quirks. And like pitchers in baseball, you know, they, they, they have little tips and tricks that they share amongst each other. But it's a fraternity. The quarterbacks in the NFL are a fraternity. And Tom Brady, throughout the whole thing, kept his mouth shut. He took his medicine, paid the price, and has come back, and it's been better than ever. I respect Tom Brady even more now as – a man of integrity, and and I, that's weird to say, but I just I respect him more now as a guy than I did as a football player before. And you know, I had a lot of respect for his success as a football player uh, previous. I mean, the resume says it all. Uh, the hardware on the knuckles uh, says even more. But uh, I, I'm I'm unapologetically rooting for the Atlanta Falcons this weekend. Uh, I'm going all in with them. It's it's going to be a, like I said, a very happy day in Georgia. It's Falcons Friday here in the state of Georgia. It has officially been proclaimed that. Just a fantastic weekend. I'm pumped. A great card tomorrow night in UFC. And then, of course, the main event being Super Bowl 51 on Sunday. I'm so looking forward to coming back home with you next Wednesday night and gloating a little bit about my Falcons. Hey, I mean, it, it, it could happen. We, we could be saying and new and, and the champions of the world. And, again, I, I, I like the Atlanta Falcons. I love their team colors. I love the history. I was always a Deion Sanders fan. And, uh, again, though, I just think that there's too many. You, you know I'm a history teacher, history buff. There's just too much history going with Belichick and Brady this week for me to ignore. I, I just – and here's another thing. If, if, you, if you remember the greatest show on turf, uh, St. Louis, which was the best offense, I believe, one, number one or number two of all time, and they only put up 29 on New England and lost 32 to I just don't see Atlanta throwing up 30, 40 points on a Bill Belichick team. I tell you, let me throw one more stat at you. You mentioned the team Oh, wait, oh, wait, wait, wait. We, we just got – wait, one, one second, though. I'm watching ESPN in the background. Swami just made his pick, his last pick ever, and he's got New England 27, Atlanta 21. 
Um, okay. What do you, and this right. is the guy that also went 15 straight years predicting the 49ers and the Buffalo Bills in the Super Bowl. So uh, <laughs> they all take that with whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody circles the wagons like Nobody the Buffalo Bills. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. All right, we're getting off Absolutely. topic here, Bragg. Bragg, I, I hope your Falcons do it. I'm I'm going to be betting the other way though. So, uh, you know, my, if it makes you feel any better, my computer that I use for my picks predicts Atlanta to win 29 to 22. So. Well, hey, man, like I said, it's, it's going to be a great game regardless of the outcome. Uh, football fans are going to be the biggest winners. One other stat I want to throw at you real quick. You mentioned how you like the Falcons' colors. Uh, the last – the Falcons are wearing their home red uniforms for the game. Oh, the they are? The Patriots are going to win their – yes, the Patriots are wearing their road white. The last 12 Super Bowls, the team wearing the white jerseys are eleven and one. That does not bode well for my Falcons. I know that. It's just one more thing, you know, for us to I didn't, break that, the jinx. That's a good. That's a good stat, though. I, I, I that's something that I overlooked, and uh, that's a. I'm I'm glad you told me that. That's an interesting stat. Yeah. So for whatever that's worth, uh, the 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 color jerseys uh, have decided to. Super Bowl the last 11 out of 12 seasons. Uh, but, you know, that, that, that again, that's a great coincidence. It's a lot of fun to talk about. But, uh, again, it's going to be a great football game, a great weekend overall, and I'm just looking forward to enjoying it. Absolutely. And, again, you know, just to add one more thing on Bragg there, my favorite colors are red and black and always have been. So, all right. And I'm wearing That's red and show. black today. I don't I don't have a Atlanta Falcons shirt that actually fits me any longer since I put on some weight, but I am wearing yeah. red and black today um, in favor of that That's as hilarious. I head back to Georgia. <laughs> I'm wearing I'm wearing blue and red like New England. <laughs> uh. All right. That's our show. That's our show. We'll talk we'll see you Wednesday. Uh so uh, don't miss it. Seven to nine, Ultimate Fight Show. We got a little off topic. Thanks for stopping by. Good night. Please. Are you ready? Please.